Welcome to The Bottleneck. The Bottleneck is a podcast dedicated to the love of factory and automation games. We're here to bring you the latest news and game reviews in the genre. I'm Dave. I'm one of your hosts. I have been playing games uh, on the PC since around the 386 era. Got my start playing Master of Orion and Master of Magic when I had no idea how to play them and things like... uh, Heroes of Might and Magic and Might and Magic. I've spent a lot of time playing RPGs and strategy games and eventually expanded into these factory and automation games and was immediately sold. My co-host, Chris, will introduce himself. Hi, I'm Chris. I've likewise been playing for several decades now, starting on an Apple 2GS at my grandparents' house, playing the likes of Carmen Sandiego and Oregon Trail and over the years, played you know many RTSs, first-person shooters. Dave and I used to play Magic the Gathering all the time. And then up until recent years, really delved into the factory and automation gaming. You know, as an engineer in real life, it's a genre that's really grabbed me and you know brings me a lot of joy to play it. Chris and I grew up together. Uh, we've known each other since first grade. We moved apart in around college. But we have stayed in touch through a love of gaming and drinking. So we decided to get together. I I found Factorio around version 0.5, I think, somewhere around there. And then somewhat more recently introduced it to Chris. And we bonded over that and then expanded a little bit into Satisfactory and Dyson Sphere program and have been seeking out other kinds of games like that. So that led us here. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of brings us to the point of us doing this podcast. We've, you know, we went looking for that information and saw there's, there's a void in this. There's not really anybody out there doing news updates, engaging with the community. There's a couple of YouTube channels out there that you probably have heard of. But overall, there's no central place that we can go to. So we're really looking to build a community around this genre, bring you guys the news, notable updates, review games as they come out, and just provide the community engagement to build, just build up the popularity of this type of game. Yeah, we're a little bit inspired by the Explorminate community that we found around 4X Games. They've got a, a really great setup there, a solid following. It's a great model that we're hoping to emulate somewhat as we move on. And speaking of news, it feels like it's kind of a slow news period right now, uh, but we do have a couple items. It was announced this week that Satisfactory has surpassed 3 million downloads, which is quite the big number that just shows to the success of the game. In terms of new patches, Dyson Sphere Program released Icarus Evolution, which has a few new, really interesting buildings. The only one I've personally used so far is geothermal power, uh, which allows you to get additional power on lava planets, which is really helpful. Uh, A few others, there's a piler that lets you pile up uh, the resources on a belt. There's an advanced mining machine that's a much more efficient way of mining resources. And there's a spray coater that puts a substance called proliferator on objects that makes them faster or produces more, much like the modules in Factorio. Uh, One of the bigger pieces of this update is you have the ability to customize your mech. 
And I've seen some really cool shots on like the DSP subreddit and other places of people making really interesting mechs, some based on existing IP, some uh, totally custom. I wish that I had the kind of uh, artistic abilities to make something really cool there, but I opened up Mech Customizer and immediately got overwhelmed. So that's not entirely a feature for me, but it will eventually have some impact on combat once that gets added to DSP. So that's interesting. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So I'm not very good with the artistic side of things. That's why I became an engineer, but you know, I look forward to checking that out as well. Uh, in recent re- new releases and expansions that are coming out, it looks like Factoroid has released a demo of their upcoming game that's due to be released mid-April. Uh, just a note, neither of us has played this demo yet, but at the re- time of this recording. However, I would expect an update from us in the future as we're both downloading that demo as we speak. Moving on to the Spotlight Game of the Week. Each week, we strive to provide you a fresh look on the game we're playing. This week's game is Denki's Autonauts. Autonauts is a game that's a little bit out of the mold of your Factorio Dyson Sphere program uh, satisfactory. Instead of having belts and inserters or sorters, everything gets moved around by robots. It's conflict-free at the moment, though there may be later on introduced some uh, conflict from the devs. The goal of the game is to colonize the planet. That consists of creating these initially dog-like creatures called colonists and satisfying their basic needs like food and shelter so that they create a resource called a WUV, which is used to research new technology. They start at tier one, giving you one WUV at regular intervals as long as you keep them fed. As you progress along the tech tree, uh, you get more products that help them go up in tier. They require more things and higher quality things. When you get to tier two, They need a simple wooden hut that breaks down and needs to be repaired over time. And basic food, like berries and apples, that was satisfying them in Tier 1 is no longer enough. You need more complicated food made from multiple basic foods combined. They also produce 10 wove at this point instead of 1. To get to Tier 3, you have to upgrade to log cabins, improve their food further, and start providing clothing for them. Each tier, the items provided in the previous tier, get more complex, and a new requirement is added. Uh, Each time you get to a new tier, everything you provided in the previous tier is more complex, and there's one additional new requirement added, usually with its own totally separate supply chain that needs to be set up. The WUV that the colonists provide goes up by a factor of 10. Um, As you progress in the technology, it's not a tree. When you research a certain number of texts, you get all the texts for the next tier that you haven't uncovered yet available to be researched. You don't need to get all of the texts in one tier to get the next one. In fact, I got to tier four by researching all the texts in tier one and two because I'm a completionist and I hadn't upgraded to level three even remotely before getting uh, all the way through level two. Um, I hadn't even started tier three research at that point. Getting to tier four research was not helpful because, like I mentioned, each tier of colonists increases the love provided by each individual by a factor of 10. The techs also get more expensive by a factor of 10. So it's extremely difficult, but not impossible, to research higher tier technology before you have that tier of colonists. 
They also have a number of achievement style certificates, not to be confused with the actual Steam achievements, which they do have some of, that mostly unlock hats and shirts that you can put on your character, but sometimes also give you a real in-game useful item. One example that I just got, the certificate for cereal farming provides you with a watering can so you can improve the production of your crops. They also, the developers use this in the tutorial early on when you're getting set up and not producing any research yet to provide a slow gating of the initial content, like the different wooden items for building. Each time you build a certain number of one item, you unlock the production of the next item that they want you to make. Um, You can also skip the tutorial and go to having most of those things unlocked immediately. In order to produce everything your colonists need, you need to automate. And as mentioned, you have robots, which the game calls bots, and also various workstation buildings. The way you use bots is you record a script for them by selecting them, setting them to record, and performing the action you want them to perform. They will sort of follow you, save your actions in their memory. Then when you hit the play button on them, they start performing the task. You can go in and add loops, if statements, move things around and delete things. So if you don't record things in exactly the right order or the right way, um, you can always make changes. These bots can do almost anything you can do. So if there's something you're doing by hand a lot, chances are you should be making a new bot and setting it up with a script to do that task. The buildings that the bots do things at are produced by putting down blueprints and then filling them with the required items, which is another thing that you should probably automate. The buildings are where you process different raw materials or other goods along the chain into more complex items. As the buildings get more complicated, they also can require floors, walls, and eventually even power, which I have not gotten to. The main catch on the automation is that the bots are limited along a number of dimensions. The biggest limitation early on is their memory size. They can only remember so many instructions. You start with these pathetic Mark Zero bots, then you can upgrade to Mark One bots that are pretty solid. There are also Mark Two and Mark Three bots, but I haven't gotten there yet. After Mark Zero bots, which you just build wholesale in your uh, bot workbench, you can then upgrade piecemeal between heads, bodies, and drives, and each one of those provides upgrades to the different limitations. Some of those other limitations are how long their battery lasts, how long it takes to recharge their battery, how fast they move, how many things they can hold, things like that. So that's how the game works. You build bots, you're programming to make things, including other bots, and eventually make your colonists so happy that you win the game, which presumably would take a lot of hours. I actually bought this one a long time ago, probably fairly close to launch, and have gone through a couple spurts of playing it previously. Invariably, I would put it down for a bit, and the complexity of it is overwhelming enough that it's very hard to pick back up in the middle of a game you haven't played in a while. Steam tells me I've played it for 62 and a half hours, but I know at least 10 of those are from the other night when I closed it, didn't turn off my computer, and some background process was apparently still running because Steam claimed it was running all night long. That's probably happened to me before. I seem to recall it happening previous times I'd played this game. So my real gameplay is probably more in this 40-hour range over several different playthroughs. And I've never made it farther than the start of Tier 3. Thanks, Dave, for that review on the game. So I have about eight hours in the game so far over a few sessions in the past couple of weeks. I find it was a pretty easy game to get into. When I'm 
playing a game like this, I try not to cheat and look at YouTube videos or online reviews. I want to jump in and go straight from the top as if I was a new gamer that never heard of it. And I just want to jump in and see what it's like. Um, I found the tutorial was very helpful. I did get stuck up on the on the controls a little bit. I thought some of them were wonky compared to uh, like Dyson Sphere program or Factorio. I kind of use Factorio's controls as the as the standard for all games. Considering I have like 1,800 hours into that game now, and you know, you just get get used to that. <laughs> that uh, you know, you just get 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 used to how control should be when you pick something up when you drop it. Uh, um, what's what's weird about the controls though is at times it's almost a one-handed gameplay. Like you could do a lot of things or it's only the mouse that you're controlling. You really don't have to get too much into shortcuts on the keyboard. So a lot of times I'm finding when I'm modifying like the macros for the bots that you know, I can do a lot of it with one hand. Speaking of the bots, right off the bat, that is difficult having those Mark Zero bots. I mean, you're not, you don't have much, much storage memory in them. You can only do a few commands. And, but once you get those Mark One bots, it really frees up the game and, it makes it a little bit simpler. You're doing a lot less running around. One bot's able to do multiple things instead of just harvesting something or collecting something. One thing that I like about the game is, although the car, the, the graphics on it are, you know, they have a little bit of that car, that cartoony feel to it. The actual inventory system is and carrying things around is the most realistic of all of them, right? You can only pick up one log because that's all your guy can carry or a handful of boards or a handful of poles, for instance. And, you know, compare it to like Factorio or if you get enough bag upgrades, you can fit 50 spider trons in it, which isn't realistic at all, but, you know, that's how it is. So I appreciated that. What, you don't have your own pocket dimension? Right. <laughs> it's like a little, uh, what is it, the uh, TARDIS? Bag of holdings? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's bigger on the inside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I that kind of uh, uh, annoys me about the game is the bot actions and the recording. Like, I get the gameplay of it, but I wish that I could copy-paste be between bots or I could, you know, I wish there was, like, a drop-down menu or, like, select the command and it wasn't just a straight record your actions. You know, I get a little frustrated when I need them to pick, pick an item out of a box that, just happens to be empty at the time, so I got to figure out a way to fill the box with an item so that the box can reach, so I can retrieve it and record it properly. Maybe I'm doing something wrong, or I, there's a secret I don't know. But you know, I know you can duplicate commands once you have them recorded, but you know, Im importing from one bot or copying between bots, I haven't figured that out yet. If it's even possible, I mean, maybe you have some insight on that. Yeah, there's an item I can't remember what it's called um, that you can build that lets you upload it, it's it's a floppy disk and you upload oh, from one bot into your floppy disk and then you can download it into uh, other bots that's, but that's the, the uh, crude storage device i think is what it's called right? yeah there it is yep that's the one okay yeah, I, I i did see that i just haven't built one yet i guess i should probably build it yeah the, then i would know what it's about there are a few items like that that they don't do a good job of telling you what they do for sure right yeah and I have a heavy scripting and programming background as well. And it would it would be nice if there was a little bit more flexibility when it came to like if statements or things like that. Um, you, know, you don't have that many items to, to, to choose from. So I do like it though, because I do do a lot of scripting in real life and 
you know, programming each bot is kind of like building a little script for it. I think that's cute and I think it's relevant to what I do. So I get enjoyment out of that. But overall, I mean, I think it's a pretty easy game to pick up. It loads fast for me. I haven't had any bugs. Overall, I it's a game that I enjoy and I think I'm going to play for a long time. Speaking of that, as part of our weekly review for the for the game, we have six categories that we're going to talk about. And at the end, we're going to provide you an overall score of what we think the game lands compared to other games, just to give an idea. Uh, those categories are gameplay, the balance, graphics, control, the weight and or difficulty, the replayability and modding, and then we're going to give you an overall score, a scale of 0 to 10. So, Dave, you want to take it away with the gameplay? Sure. So talking about gameplay, um, like pretty much all automation games, parts of it can get pretty tedious. But once things get properly automated, it feels really good. And if you're scared away by a little bit of tedium early on, then you're playing the wrong genre of game. Programming the bots is most of what you're actually doing throughout the game and figuring out an interesting solution to a problem. Like, how can I cram everything for producing this one item into this one bot's memory can be really fun and interesting. The fact that you rarely need to perform a set of actions more than two or three times is really nice. The supply chains get very complex. Figuring out streamlined ways to produce new items is interesting. It's often a bit more work to set up the automation of tasks than in something like Factorio or DSP, but it's also a bit more interesting than just plopping down a few buildings. But like you said, having to perform the actions for the bots is quite annoying and, you know, just being able to copy from one bot to another helps, but isn't quite as nice as, you know, if you could have some kind of a menu to select certain actions from, that might be useful. The variety of raw materials across the map, and as you get more complex research, needing more of them uh, is pretty interesting. And it looks like the vehicles that come along later could be fun as well. Yeah, and there's a couple of things with the, with the gameplay. You know, I, I did find it easy there really isn't much of a challenge other than putting in the time and some of that is like there's there's unlimited resources you know i haven't found a cap or any re-resources run out you can replant trees um you can replant bushes right you know it's a little easy in that aspect that you don't have a challenge of managing your your resources per se at least the raw or the, the ability to mine them yeah you really have to try to run out of things <laughs> right and, and 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 with that being said it it's nice because you're not focusing on you know, like setting up base defenses right now or anything. It's, you know, it's kind of play at your own pace. You're not rushed to do anything. And then there's one really nice thing I did like is that you can, there is a, a edit mode where you can move different structures around. Right. And it does appear like the bot commands. If you have a bot command that goes to that building, it will automatically go to its new location. So, I did like that, that you could rearrange. Yeah, that, that is really helpful, especially when you have bots building things for you, like putting in different materials. Uh, you can automate them building in a certain area, and then you you put all your blueprints there, and then you move them to where you're actually going to use them. That is really helpful. And if you need to rearrange your production chains, if you move buildings around when they're you know already producing things and already have bots using them, like you said, the bots do follow them, and even the things that have been produced in them get copied and moved along with them, which is really helpful. 
Then our second category is balance. I thought the resources were really well balanced in the game. The amount of effort you have to put in. There's a lot of two for one or one one input, two output on uh, recipes. You know, I've played other games in the past, I don't know about you, where the recipes don't make sense for the item that you get out of it. You know, you're putting 50 of something in that's huge and you're getting out a tiny little yeah. item or something and it you know, didn't make sense. So I like that somewhat realistic factor to it. You know, I'm putting a log in and I'm getting two planks out. That makes sense. You know, I don't want to put four logs in and get two planks out. That doesn't make sense. So I thought the balance was good. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I the one thing I'll say about the balance that was a little weird to me was the different food types you can produce. Some of them are clearly significantly better than others, like berries and apples, I would say, are far superior to mushrooms early on because when you when you harvest mushrooms you get two mushrooms but the mushroom's gone and you need to use one of the two or three that you've produced to plant a new one so that you can do it all over again whereas the berries grow on bushes and you just you know get the berries off the bushes and then the berry berries regrow on the bush same with apples in a tree like it's just there's a clear advantage of using some types versus others but you know, you don't just don't have to use the mushrooms. You don't need to produce every type. So it's it's not like it's a problem at all. Um, and I did like like the, the amount of additional work you had to move up a tier is pretty significant. But, you know, for a game with no real challenge on its own, having that that kind of a challenge is, I would say, makes a lot of sense, especially when there's no time or resource pressure, because, as you said, everything is renewable. You never run out of things. And I really liked uh, the improvements as you get better bots and tools and buildings. Uh, you know, it really feels impactful when you go from Mark Zero bots to Mark One bots. Or, you know, I, one thing I've only really done in the sandbox mode that I played around with was uh, there's a, you know, you start with wood chopping blocks and then you move up to these like band saws that are, I think, twice as fast at producing the planks from the logs or something like that. And that, that, that feels like it's a really impactful upgrade. That would be really nice. Yeah, so the next section is the graphics, which Chris Chris touched on a very little bit. They have me a little bit torn. They're not the prettiest graphics in the world, but it's a really interesting aesthetic, and it grew on me a lot as I played. It's kind of cutesy, but that's not a bad thing necessarily. It's blocky and cute, and it's not incredibly polished like something like dsp or satisfactory but i still you know i when i started i wasn't totally sure but at this point in the game i i really enjoy the way it looks i like the graphics i'm in the same boat as you i, I keep referring to them as cartoony or kid-like something that uh, that would appeal more to kids but yeah as you play it, you can you know you understand a little more of why they might have gone that route and you know let's let's put more effort into the gameplay and not focus so heavily you know the game is still pretty it's it's plays smoothly the animations are fun because everything's kind of a jittery type of uh motion you know but it's consistent and i like the fact you can rotate you can zoom in zoom out all that and uh i have no issues on my end with it rendering so yeah and i um i will also note that you know it's a it's a 3D game, but it's a, played on a 2D plane. Like it's two and a half dimensional, as, as they say. And I, as a person who 
generally sucks at 3D games. I like that part. Along the lines of what you're saying about it being cute, uh, this is probably the first automation game that I'll introduce my five-year-old to when he's old enough. Yeah, I'm like, uh, you know, satisfactory or factorial. There's a bunch of violence in it or <laughs> splattering uh, guts all over the place with uh, yep. with biters and whatnot. So definitely one that would be kid-friendly and I'd imagine it would be a good learning game for him as well. Our next section is the controls. Um, as mentioned before, I have about nine hours in the game and I'm still fumbling with the uh, keys. Uh, I don't know what it is. I feel like some of the things you need to do in the game, um, my hands moving around the keyboard way too much, you know. And in, in 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 Factorio, you rarely move your your left hand from the home home row and your and your hand off the right mouse. Where with this game, for some reason, it feels like I'm hitting escape way too much, and I'm having to use the right side of the keyboard with my left hand and looking down, looking for a key and I don't know. It's just uh, I I don't I don't know what you can improve on it either. I mean, I can go into the menu, I suppose, and rebind keys if I needed. But I kind of get annoyed with having the control right click or shift right click this, or maybe this one needs a shift left left click, or you know, I get confused on what needs what in some cases. So um, I don't know if, uh, if it's something that I can improve upon with re. With rebinding keys, but it's not my favorite game in terms of the, the, the controls. Yeah, it it is very hard to get used to these controls, um, especially if you play any other games at the same time. Like if you go go to a different game and then come back to it, you've most likely forgotten everything that you had taught yourself about how to control auto knots. It does seem like they were a huge pain to design the controls for this. Yeah, it's hard to know exactly what the different buttons are going to do or combinations of buttons. There is a mouse over. If you hold down alt when you're mousing over an object, the game tells you all the things you can do with that object. Like you can right click, left click, control click, whatever. Uh, But it doesn't actually tell you what each thing does, which I found very strange and kind of awful. Right, it's just uh, it's just like IKEA in, in exactly right for <laughs> for an automation game control. So yeah, I'm I'm totally with you yeah, on that. So yeah, I think that was the biggest UI miss I saw. The rest of it, you know, it, it's it's not ideal controls, but I honestly couldn't tell you how to improve them. I think they did a decent job, but it's just it's really hard. I also think it it's a little annoying to deal with bots when you have a lot of them you know they have a bot manager you can set them up in teams you can go through you can name your bots and find find the one but like when you have you know in in my current game i have 150 bots and it's really hard to to find a certain bot when i want to yeah and i don't know if you're like me but i didn't exactly name them anything from the get-go so I'm kind of scrolling down, looking for the little picture of what it does, and trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, on the first playthrough, I did not. Now that I think this is the third game I've started, I definitely try to name them as I go along. I think the next step is probably to like give a number prefix so that they are properly sorted in the bot manager. You can keep everything grouped so that you can later put them in teams more easily. But yeah, the next category we're going to talk about is the weight. Um, So this is definitely more on the casual side for automation games. Like we said, there's no real conflict. 
it's it's very low on pressure, but there's a ton of complexity in designing the supply chains and buildings. There's a lot of you know mental challenge organizing and designing it all. And for me personally, that's kind of my ideal kind of game. I'm not really that good at games most of the time. Uh, I prefer like turn-based games where I can sit and think about what I'm doing or games like this that don't have any real pressure from the outside of being attacked or running out of things impacting how I play the game. Here, you're mostly just free to let it all ride while you figure out what you're going to do next, and I really enjoy that. So it's on the simpler side of weight, which I really enjoy, but other people might find frustrating or off-putting. Exactly. It's a it's a different type of challenge. If you're looking for having to have snap reflexes or looking for, you know, supply chain management in terms of resource pressure, this isn't really going to be the game for you. But if you like, it's one of the more complicated ones because you do have to program the individual, individual bots. So it's just a different type of challenge. But overall, it would rate uh, definitely on the simple scale because there is no there's there's nothing in the game that's an, an immediate challenge you have to uh, address right now, right? Like with Factorio, you have biters. You know, if you can't if you can't take care of the biters, they're going to overrun your your base eventually, and you're stuck rebuilding. With this, uh, you know, if you have an an issue where you have to maybe bring up a bottleneck of a certain item, you you don't have to do it right away. You can just hold off on it for a while and come back and revisit it. So. Uh, yeah, definitely simple. And then our final category is replayability and modding. I did see that they are on Steam Workshop, so there is going to be mod, or there are mods available right now, and uh, new mods are being released all the time for the game. In terms of of the replayability for it, it's it is a seeded, generated maps on the fly, right? So every time you play, you can have a different map layout. So that's definitely going to have high scores for the replayability and then customization of the game. So there is support in the community right now for that. Yeah, like I said, I've come back to it a couple times since I bought it. It It's definitely replayable. It's really fun, especially initially. You make a lot of progress early on. As with a lot of these games, mid-game can be a, a bit of a slog as you figure out the complex supply chains. And if you do take a bit of time off, like I've done a couple times, it can be really hard to come back to that same game. But if it sucks you in like it did to me, you will you will get a lot of uh, worth out of the game while you are playing. So our overall rating, as Chris mentioned, we have a zero to ten scale on this scale. I would say that zero is completely unplayable. Ten is the perfect game, obviously. A five is a, a pretty good game that you'll play a few times and then probably drop after a little while. I would give this game a seven out of ten. You know, I've already come back to it a couple times. I'll probably keep playing it every now and then, find it really enjoyable. And you know, it's it's a bit of a, a niche game, but this is a niche that I really enjoy, and that's kind of why we're doing this podcast. So I like it. Yeah, and I gave it a six out of ten. I'm still early on in the game. I know there's been a lot of tedium for me. You know, I'm still fumbling with the controls, so my my early impression of it is a six. Um, I will definitely continue to play. I mean, six isn't a bad score. It might sound it's not the same score other companies use, where nobody ever scores below a seven and a half, right? You know, this is you know this is a five would be your average game. You know, it's not a bad game. It's just average. So in this case, we're definitely on the on the upper end of that scale at a six. 
I think there's definitely could be some more improvements um, with the controls. Obviously, that's kind of my biggest sticking point right now. But I'm definitely going to keep playing it, and we'll see if that score trends upwards as I get more experience with it. And we'll probably revisit these scores in a later episode once we've both played a little more. Yeah, we'll we'll put a new segment in it where we'll do a, a re-review of the week or revisit it. So definitely be on the lookout for that. So in terms of news about this game, you know, it came out in 2019, but the devs are still actively supporting it. They update fairly regularly. Uh, it's been a little while since the last update, but the devs have said that they're busy continuing to work on the next big patch. Life gets in the way, of course. It's a slow grind, but they're active on the community and they have a Discord channel and they post more frequent periodic updates there. The next patch does look pretty interesting. It's about introducing like some some level of conflict. There's a set of like pirate enemies. You need to defeat them to get certain resources if you play on a, a different mode, a survival mode. And it looks pretty interesting. You need to like arm your bots and attack. Uh, I'm I will probably give it a shot. I'm not sure how much I like it because, like I said, I I prefer the the relaxed, chill vibe of the base game in this. That's one of my favorite things about it. So we'll see. Hey, maybe that'll be a good use for all those Mark Zero bot parts that you get laying around over time. There you, you know, go. Arm them and have them up, send them off for you know combat. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, as Dave said, you can find Autonauts. They have a Discord server that they're. They have a pretty active community on over there. And then currently the game is only available via Steam. So if you're looking to pick up the game, you'll find it there. And then I think we're mentioning there's an itch.io prototype that's playable. That It's a port of the game. It's not the game. But you can find it there if you want to. So moving on to the next segment of the show. Uh, Each week we're going to feature a new mod that we're playing in our game of choice this week. I am going with Even Distribution. It's a quality of life mod for Factorio made by 321 Freddy. Uh, basically, this allows you to evenly distribute items from your inventory into other buildings like smelters or into assemblers. But this mod, you know, you, all you have to do is a shift C. And if you have like ammo for turrets, it'll automatically distribute a set amount of ammo that you can configure in the mod settings amongst several turrets within a certain radius of your character. You can do fuel, coal, solid fuel, etc. to smelters, to your miners, if you're still using, you know, the old miners, which hopefully you aren't at that point. Um, but the big one that I use it for is the inventory cleanup. So when you're deconstructing areas of your factory, moving them around, or just building out a new assembly line and you end up with random circuits and advanced circuits and processing units or and a bunch of intermediates. Well, if you hit shift C, it'll automatically provided you're within range of the buildings that can use them. It'll automatically take that junk out of your inventory and add it to the inventory of the necessary building. So it does base on if you're using um, personal logistics for your backpack, right? So it's not going to distribute more items than what you're trying to request from the logistics network. But if you have anything in excess of what you're supposed to request, it'll automatically distribute, not automatically, it's shift C, but it'll distribute that into the, the respective buildings that are demanding those items as well. So overall, I use this one as one of the first mods that I started using to help me clean up my inventory. 
And I do enjoy it. It definitely improves the quality of life for the game, not having all that junk in your backpack. Yeah, that does seem helpful. My most recent run was a, a lazy run where I created almost nothing by hand. So I rarely had too much in my backpack, which was really awesome and freeing. But I can see why this would be useful in a uh, less focused run on that. Yeah, and especially uh, you know when you're setting up like a new set of turrets, you're not sitting there trying to divvy up the all the ammo. You know, trying to put 25 in this one, then you split it in half, and you end up at 12 and 12 in the next two. You know, you just hit Shift C, and all of them have the exact same amount. And oh, you don't set up a chest to belt uh, turret automation there. <laughs> not in that case. That that was a early game hand fed turret. So yeah, I know tisk tisk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's the model of the week even distribution you should check it out if you have it. yeah I, I have not played with that one yet but i will have to try it it does sound useful for sure so as i mentioned in the intro one of the things that has kept chris and i talking is our love of drinking so in this part speaking of bottlenecks we're going to talk about what's in the glass uh so chris why don't you go first yeah, so tonight I've been drinking a beer made locally by Greenwood Brewing called Purpose Pilsner. It's just a light 5.5% Pilsner that's made in Arizona. It is a obviously a light beer. It's very tasty. One of the best things I love about this brewery is it is the only female-owned and female-brewed beer in the state of Arizona. So, you know, it's nice to support their venture. We were Kickstarter founders for them as well. We, we get the brewery off and running and, you know, they make some very delicious beer up there with some of the best in the state. So Purpose Pilsner by Greenwood Brewing. What about you, Dave? Nice. Uh, well, you can tell that you're in beautiful Arizona and I am in ice cold Chicago where we just got 10 inches of snow. I am drinking uh, from Founders Brewing in Michigan, a pretty high profile brewery. I don't think I need to introduce them. Uh, a beer called Velvet Rush, which is in their Barrel Age series. It's an imperial brown ale brewed with coffee, chocolate, vanilla extract, and milk sugar aged in bourbon barrels. It's a little bit too sweet, but otherwise it's delicious. Um, and only 11.1 alcohol, so, you know, definitely barrel aged. Yeah, we're, we hit opposite end of the spectrums on those today, didn't we? <laughs> yep. Yeah, that sounds delicious, though. I'm going to have to keep my eyes peeled. Sometimes we get those founder beers out here in Arizona. Yeah. They distribute pretty widely. Yeah. Um, so then, outside of our of our drinks, uh, have you been playing any other games lately? Anything else that's caught your eye? The only thing I've really been playing lately, uh, you know, I I have a Switch as well as a PC and sometimes when the one-year-old isn't sleeping, I'm up in the middle of the night hanging with him and playing some Switch. And I've been playing Dragon Quest Builders 2, which is very close to being an automation game. It's it's more of a Minecraft butt, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, you, you get a lot of villagers that help you do things throughout it. So there there is a little bit of automation feel to it. But it's a, it's a fun game. It's, you know, it's got that, minecraft survival type thing but it's more focused around building new things and it's pretty interesting on the pc my second favorite genre recently beyond factory and automation games is 
sort of like the the farming adventure games a la Stardew Valley or Rune Factory. Um, and I bought a game called Saren Fate that I haven't actually played. I played like five minutes of it. I did a tutorial. I, I bought it on Steam in the New Year's sale. And uh, it's interesting. You're like a witch and you're taking over a new witch's cottage and I haven't gotten very far. So, but I like that one so far. How about you? What are you playing? Uh, well, I just installed a couple new mods that I might feature in the future for Factorio. So I spun up a new map the other day. Um, this is going to be, according to my gameplay stats, at least my save game profiles, it'll be my 10th run through of the game uh, officially. It may not seem like a lot of run times that I've played it, you know, restarted a map, but some of those maps have, you know, two, 300 hours or more into them. They're, Big mega bases are already. Of course. Um, yeah, so I think I'm going to do a. I'm thinking small trains this time, small fast trains, basically like one two, have the locomotive and two cargo wagons, and have them zip around, and nice. tons of them, just you know, litter the map with tons and tons of trains, and obviously I'll use logical train network for that one, so I don't have to manage all of them. I'll let L- LTN take over. Um, but yeah. That's kind of all I've been doing outside of Autonauts. You know, that was our featured game. And, you know, that was kind of the highlight of the week. Yep. Yeah. Factorio is a funny one for me because I I ended up redeeming it on Steam really only in the past couple months because I just, you know, when I bought it, it wasn't on Steam yet. And I just would always download it from the Factorio website. So Steam only thinks I've played 5.1 hours. But in reality, it's probably more like 500 hours. Yeah, it's a... it's definitely a fun game it's one that you know it's i always call it it's the uh, time warp game right the old adage i started playing at six and stopped playing at seven that was the most productive 25 hours of my life you know they could definitely uh well i just need to tweak that and then tweak that and then oh but i can build that now (laughs) so i better build that yeah yeah never ends it's the one more turn that you get from turn-based games, but you know, <laughs> exactly real time. Exactly, but it's a it's a really fun game. Not our status quo, but the measuring stick that a lot of games get measured against. I think it's the Definitely. it's it's the face of the of the genre at this point. Yep. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to keep an eye out as we expand into other platforms. We plan to get a website and social media running very soon and we will see you next time and don't forget the factory must grow have a good one everybody